Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Joining me on today's show for our final preview podcast of the 2021 U.S. Open, breaking down the men's singles draw at the event, is a first-time, long-time appearer on our Crack Rackets podcast. You, of course, know him as your favorite writer for our website, CrackRackets.com. You also know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, our all-star college tennis analyst. But don't forget, folks, he's got a lot of thoughts on the pros as well. Joining us on the show today, it's Matt the Cracks, the Koyak Maddie. Hey, great shot. First time in a long time. It is great to have you back on the show. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, it's been a good summer. Lots going on. I know you're busy. I'm busy. Everyone's busy. But uh, we finally reached kind of the the culmination here. We got we got the U.S. Open, man. So uh, super excited to get this thing rolling. No doubt about that. And we have a lot to talk about on today's show. First and foremost, of course, a men's singles draw preview. What we're going to do on this show, like we do on all of our draw previews, run through the four sections of the draw, answer four questions per section as well. Well, we'll talk about the seeds on upset alert. We'll talk about the dark horses that can do some damage. We'll talk about the best first round matches. And then, of course, we're going to give some predictions as well. But before I get into any of that, while there has been plenty of college tennis results, and I think there are 20 players with college tennis ties in this U.S. Open, Maddie. We talk all the time during the college tennis season about the strength in the the level of play in the game right now. I think that has manifested itself pretty clearly at the 2021 U.S. Open. But before we get into any of that, I want to ask you a broad picture here about the ATP Tour because A, it's been a while since we've talked. Curious to hear your thoughts. But B, 
it does feel like we're in the midst of a generational shift, perhaps more pronounced than ever right now on the ATP Tour. And, of course, this is something you and I have been talking about since 2017, 2018, we first started doing the podcast. But perhaps now more than ever, it feels very, very clear that the generational shift has occurred. And perhaps there's even a new hierarchy at the top of the men's game. So I just want to run some stats by you, run some numbers, get your thoughts. You look at where we are at this season. There have been 48 events played. 29 total players, Maddie, have won titles here in this 2021 season. I believe there are 11 first-time title winners here this year as well. You look at the list of players who have won multiple titles. To me, this is the most telling part. There are 12 players with multiple titles. Djokovic has four. He's obviously still his best, is the best on the ATP Tour. I don't think anyone's denying that. But Zverev's got four. Rude's got four. Medvedev's got three. Then you get to the group of Sinner, Hercots, Tsitsipas, Berrettini, PCB, Demonauer, Basilishvili, that's the outlier. Demonauer, honestly, a little outliery as well. And then Rafael Nadal with two. But what I'm trying to say there, Maddie, and you look at the clubs I like to make tennis abstract, top 10, top 15, top 20, who are 25 in hold and break percentage. It's the same names. Medvedev and Djokovic, both top 10. Rublev, Nadal, Zverev, top 15 club. Rude and Karatsev, who's your one outlier, top 20. And then Tsitsipas and team, top 25. Now, missing from there is Matteo Berrettini, who with his backhand return, you can understand why he's a little bit lower in terms of break percentage. But, Matty, I think we've got our new hierarchy. I think we have our 10 guys that matter. It's Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, uh, obviously Dominic team win healthy, Andre Rublev, Matteo Berrettini. And then, honestly, you start to throw in guys like Kaspar Ruud, guys like Pablo Carreno Busta, and then the Sinners and Hercotses of the world. The numbers say it. My eyes say it. What is Matt Stokowiak seeing? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, Kroskin, because if you weren't going to, then I was going to. And I know we go back, I mean, years and years ago, and you were always, you were the one that was trying to tell (laughs) me, hey, you know, next gen, next gen, right? And I said, hold on a second. Just let's let's put a pause on this. We've still got Novak at the peak. We've still got Federer playing well. Rafa, these guys are still around. But now's the time, Groskin. Okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, it's, it's a few years later, right? So... But but this is the time. You you are correct. I mean, we have now, you know, I don't I I really don't know if Fed and Rafa are ever going to return, you know, in, in any capacity where they can remain competitive with the top players in the game. They may play a little bit in 2022, just kind of a farewell. I don't know what they're gonna do, but with their injuries and everything, as far as I'm concerned now. It's sad to say, but they really are kind of irrelevant at this point. All of those names that you mentioned, this is who we're watching now. It is still Joker, of course, but put him aside, and you've got Zverev and Medvedev and Rublev and Tsitsipas and Berrettini. All those guys that you mentioned, they are. this is the crop of players that are, are relevant now. And for that reason, I think this U.S. Open is going to look a whole lot different than it's mm-hmm. been in the past on the men's and the women's side. No Serena. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to look totally different. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. I've yes. been watching these tournaments, Cincinnati, Toronto, Washington, D.C., Winston-Salem, Atlanta. You know, all of these lead-up tournaments – 
And it's fun to watch these guys. I mean, they play really well. It's very competitive. Um, and I think it's going to be super exciting. So while this U.S. Open will look a little bit different, I think, men's and women's, uh, I'm super excited for it. But you're right, man. Finally, 2021. <laughs> We've moved on now in this next crop of players, which you've been trying to tell me for years. You were a little early. Just, yeah. you know, you were early, but but you're right. Now's the time. I do agree with you. Oh, did I miss you? The backhanded compliment that only Matt Stachowiak can pull off with perfection. I will agree with you, as you agreed with me. I was a little bit early. Now, I think the names I had were right. Like, I, I had the right guys circled, but it was a year or two early. I think that 2019 Medvedev hardcourt run, that was kind of the dam breaking, right? When he ripped through City Open, Canada, Cincinnati, U.S. Open. Then, obviously, 2020 was just a year of chaos because of the pandemic and everything that happened. Of course, Dominic Team get, did get the title, and he's missing right now from this conversation. But it does—I mean, just a couple more data points— you look at the race to the year-end finals, and I, I, the reason we bring this up to your point is because I do think this U.S. Open is going to look different. This is the first one where I think when we see Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas work their way through the first week with ease, it'll make sense to all of us. And you look at right now the race to the year-end finals, Maddie. it's the same group. Djokovic has clinched his spot. He's clinched it comfortably. He's got like a 2,000-point lead. He is number one. Yeah. Tsitsipas 2, Medvedev 3, Zverev 4. They're all in the 4,000 to 5,000 point range. I talked about this on an earlier podcast this week. I think it's a key 3. I don't think it's a, you know, people are calling it a small 4 or, you know, whatever. I, I don't think you can include Rublev and leave out Berrettini. So that's why, to me, key 3. You, you agree with that? I do, 100%. Mm-hmm. I do. So those are your key three. They're 2, yep. 3, and 4 right now in the race. Then yep. you get to literally Rublev 5. Berrettini six, Rafa, who's out for the year, but seven. And then you get into that Casper Ruud tier, who's probably been the best guy week in, week out. You get Hubi with the Miami title. You get Sinner at 10, who obviously has the City Open title. And it makes sense. Like, it's a really young group, but it makes sense, Maddie. It makes total sense. I like how you put, you know, we've got Zverev and Medvedev and Tsitsipas. To me, they are in their own kind of category with mm-hmm. with Rublev, right? I mean, look, it's, it's close, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very close. But I look at those three guys like legitimate, absolute, con- I mean, Locks they could all win the titles this decade. Yes, and we're going to get into this within the draw preview. You know, Rublev is right there. Berrettini is right up there. And then, like you said, you know, guys like Rude Sinner, they're they're coming. And and Hubie, of course. we mm-hmm. You know we all love Hubie. So, um, no, I, I love it. The way that you put that, I, I do agree. And, you know, these guys are going to be battling now for, for years. So it'll, it'll be fun. How about the Hubie victory tour you and I should be going on right now? I mean, this was t- end of 2018. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And and I will say, I don't even know if you and I thought... Master champion? Was... <laughs> right. I don't think either one of us were ready to go that far. And I'm willing to admit that. We weren't yeah. going to go that far. But I'm happy for him. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I think everybody on the tour just loves Hubie. Great guy. Um, you know, and we've said for years, you know, we we want him to succeed and do well. So I'm, I'm very happy for him. And hopefully he can continue it. He's playing 
great. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you there. And, you know, again, it's to bring up our college tennis roots as well. There's a parody we've seen these past two seasons, particularly in men's college tennis. You've had, uh, you know, Florida. Yes, they were number one during the season, but coming into this NCAA tournament, it did feel like five, six, seven teams could win it. Going into 2019, obviously, Wake Forest was very good. Ohio State was very good. North Carolina was very good. Florida was very good. It was Texas who won the national championship. And the point is, those were two exceptional seasons. Parody is fun. And I do think we are going to see parody moving forward now on the ATP Tour over these next few seasons to a point you made. And it is, by the way, 20 former college players in the U.S. Open singles draw. I think it's, I guess, 21, according to our main man, Jay. And I'm going to take Jay's word over everyone else's, the 15. Maybe he didn't count Brooksby and Jay did. That's always, you know, a sticky one. Just quickly, for the record, those 15 men, McDonald, Brooksby, Sandgren, Honoffman, Johnson, Cressy, Eubanks, Cam freaking Nori, who has been a revelation this season. Rinder Nash might be your most improved player on tour. Isner, Nakashima, Anderson, Riffis, Jerome, Kopfer. On the women's side, you've got Brady, Loeb, Sharif, Sharma, Navarro, Collins. It's pretty damn good, Maddie. Pretty damn good. That is, that's a hell of a list there, man. It really is. And it's great to see the, you know, we've talked about this numerous times, but everyone has to to take their own path and, and do mm-hmm. what's best for them. College tennis may not be for everybody, but it is for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know? And so it works. There's no doubt that it works. It just depends on the person, you know? But I, I don't think anybody can can look at it and say, you know, don't go to college. It's not going to work because the proof is in the pudding, like you just mentioned. I mean, it does work. It's just on kind of a case-by-case basis. Absolutely. And again, each of those players tells a different story. I would argue Mackey might have been the most pro-ready of the entire group entering college. But then, of course, you know, guys like Eubanks and Cressy, you can see why they need to progress. The physicality that a guy like Giron or Sandgren or Stevie plays with, that's the thing you can progress and address throughout your four years of development in college. And so I agree with you. There's so many different ways to skin the cat. These guys all went the college route. It worked for them. Certainly, I think with NIL opportunities, we're going to see more top juniors, particularly in the States, play a year or two of college. But that's a conversation for a different GSP. What we are going to be doing from here on in. Previewing the 2021 U.S. Open singles draw. I think we just did a pretty good job there of setting the scene. I would throw in this final data point to all of you right now. U.S. Open odds according to our friends at DraftKings. Djokovic started out the week minus 135. I'm not even kidding. I think part of this is due to Ben's article being released and odds makers a little bit more tentative now around Alex Zverev than they were entering the week. Djokovic is up to minus 150. And that's not a big jump. But it is a jump. He's minus 150 against the field, still the favorite to take the field. And by the way, from a gambling standpoint, ace of the day is going to start today. Bat Djokovic now, if you think he's going to lose, just hedge against him because you're never going to get him minus 145 the rest of this tournament. After that, they agree with us. Medvedev plus 400. Zverev plus 600, Tsitsipas plus 800. It then literally drops to Rublev and Berrettini at 25 to 1. So they agree. Djokovic, key three, 
rest of the field. That's where we are entering the 2021 U.S. Open. With that in mind, Maddie, let's get into our draw preview. And again, we're going to go top to bottom of the draw, answering four questions along the way. Best first-round matchups, the seeds on upset alert, the dangerous dark horses, then, of course, offering our predictions as well. We start at the top of the draw, Maddie. With Novak Djokovic, your number one seed here this season, obviously for Novak Djokovic, number one across the board, overall ELO rating, a 2021 ELO rating, number one in the rankings, number one in the race. He's 37-5 and five this season, your number one seed, pretty prohibitive favorite to advance out of this section of the draw. But of course, you get some really fun first round matchups right away as he's going to take on one of the all-stars of the ATP Challenger Tour, rising star, former world junior number one, 18-year-old, excuse me. Holger Rune. That's certainly a fun match as we look through the rest of this section. His other top eight seed is number six seed Berrettini. We saw Berrettini honestly play him closer at the French Open than we did in that Wimbledon final, but we've seen them match up at the past two slams. You look at the other seeds in this section. Fonini, your 28th seed. Sinego, your number 20 seed. Hercots at 10. Demonauer at 14. Karatsev, 21. Gofen, 27. Let's start with the first-round matchups, Maddie. What are you going to be watching most closely? This is an interesting section of the draw. It does feel like there's some upsets looming. Yeah, th- this is a a pretty interesting section. I mean, obviously, when Novak's in there, you know, he's such a big favorite that it's like, okay, I mean, we all know who's probably going to make it out of here. But, you know, just in first-round matchups, there are a few that really caught my eye. And I think, number one... You mentioned him uh, a couple of minutes ago, Gruskin, but Alex Demonor against Taylor Fritz. I mean, that just pops right out at me as a popcorn first-round match. I like Taylor Fritz here. I mean, he's on home soil in America, hard courts, and Demon, to your point, which you said before, this guy hasn't looked like himself this summer. I mean, he, he is not playing that well. I think this is a great opportunity for Taylor Fritz. And, and granted, let's be honest, Fritz the past few tournaments, I think he's on like a three match losing streak. He lost Cincinnati, Toronto. Like he hasn't been playing that well either, but I, I think this is such a fun match, you know, in the first round that, you know, if you're, if you're in flushing, you know, to watch this, you've got to park right on this court. I don't know if they're going to be on a, on an outside court or where they're going to be playing, but that one's certainly interesting. And right above that. So the winner of that match is going to play Jensen Brooksby or Michael Emer. Like that match is super interesting. Emer obviously coming off the final run at Winston Salem. Now he did, he was out of gas. He didn't yeah. show up to that match against Ilya Ivashka. That was a little rough. But fantastic result for Emer, you know, and he plays a guy in Brooksby that I think, you know, could could really make some noise. So to me, those two matchups are super interesting in the first round. One more I'll throw at you, Gruskin, and then I'll let you go here. You mentioned Karatsev, the 21 seed. He actually takes on Jaume Munar, which I think is an interesting first-round matchup. The seeded player here, look, Karatsev, he started the year unbelievably well, probably almost too good, to mm-hmm. the point where it's like, dude, that like you're not going to repeat that, you know, <laughs> those results again. And he he's come back down to earth. I mean, we've seen him, you know, revert a little bit more to the norm. Munar is a tough 
tough out. I, I see that going, you know, four or five sets at the minimum. So again, probably going to be on an outside court. And if you're at the U.S. Open spectating, go park yourself in hmm. front of that match. You're going to be there three, four hours, and it's just going to be an absolute grind. So those are a few that really stuck out to me in this section for first round matchups. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see the court assignments, because as we've alluded to, no Rafa, no Federer, no Serena, no Venus for the first time since 96. Who's going to play on center? Like, there's a yeah. lot of good options. I could make a case Fritz Hour belongs on center, right? Like, who complains there? That's a fun first-round matchup. And to the point you made, Demon Hour, who tested positive for COVID and, you know, had to pull out of the Olympics, he lost three consecutive matches between first-round Wimbledon, first-round Stevie Johnson at uh, D.C., first-round Basilashvili, one-in-one in yep. Canada. He then lost that first set in Cincy's 6-love to Krajinovic before coming back to win that match. So that was certainly a bright spot, you know, for Fritz. It was interesting. Semifinals Los Cabos, semifinals Atlanta. He then loses two and two to Kudla, six and three to Duckworth, three sets to Albert Ramos Vinoles on a hard in a hard court match. That's just it's not a good loss. Just case right. that, yeah, you're you're right. And he's, you know, he's unseated in this event, which is not where he's been for a while. So this is one to circle as a storyline for both players. Now, of course, our friends at Tennis Abstract have a draw forecast and it projects, you know, closeness X percentage to win this match versus Y percentage for the opponent. The closest match by percentage in this section. Fabio Fognini versus Vashik Pospisil. They give Fognini a 53% chance to win, Pospisil 47%. That's not the match I have as the one on upset alert, Maddie. I would argue the match on upset alert is David Goffin against Mackie McDonald. And I think, you know, A, odds alert-wise, or in terms of odds makers, Mackie's like minus 250 right now. Mackie's the prohibitive favorite against David Goffin, who struggled with a bunch of different health injuries and just really has, you know, barring a one blip where he won an ATP tournament earlier this season, he's lost now, uh, I believe, five consecutive matches dating back to the second round of Rome. And those losses, Delbonis, Bedene, Musetti, Mute, Pea. Not exactly something you're writing home. Meanwhile, Mackie is back to playing the best tennis of his career that's a first round match I'm watching close because I think he nailed the other ones that's one I'm watching closely via upset alert any other upset alerts stand out for you I guess Munar Karatsev sort of but any other yeah. early round like I think to your point Brooksby is my favorite of the Brooksby Emer Fritz Demon Hour section to advance to round three yeah, that's fair. Um, I could easily see that happening. I could I could see it be Fritz as well. You know, mm -hmm. if, if Fritz, you know, shows up and plays to the level that we know he can, I, I think it could be Taylor Fritz advancing to round three. So Demon's on upset alert, for yeah. sure, as the number 14 seed. He's absolutely on upset alert. Um, but I agree with you, Gofan, Karatsev. I mean, those are, those are really the other guys that stuck in my mind. I understand what they're saying about Fognini and Pospisil. Because I was thinking about that, but to me, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know. that I just don't get super excited about that match. That's not one of the ones. If, if somebody said, hey, you have to pick three or four matches to watch in the first round, I'm not going to pick that one. But, it, you know, Pospisil could win. He but could. Yeah, but he's also not playing that well right now. Right, like, to exactly. your point. Yeah, it's just like, what are we it, seeing there? Yeah, to me, I, I don't know about that one. So I think Gofan definitely, again, he's a shell of himself. You know, we know what Mackie can do. He played so well in, in uh, Washington, I believe, a few weeks mm -hmm. ago. Um, so, yeah, though, I, I would say you got to look upsets. Gofan, Karatsev, Demon. 
and I, I'd probably I actually have, there. So here's my hot take for you. I have every seat except Djokovic on upset alert. That's my take for you from this section. And I'll, can, let me make the case one by one, and you just tell me good case, bad case. The, the worst of the cases is Matteo Berrettini, but here's the case for him. Shardy's been playing really well this season on the hard courts. Big serve, big forehand. He won't be flummoxed by the Berrettini power. Berrettini's still the favorite, but it's a slight upset alert there. Also in that section, Ilya Ivashka, who is playing lights out tennis this year, Maddie. He's top 40 by ELO rating, top 40 in the race to the year on finals. Just won Winston-Salem, has four ATP quarterfinals this year, has done it across surfaces. We just don't know how healthy Berrettini is. That's why he's on a slight upset alert. I don't like it, Gruskin, because <laughs> you know Berrettini's my guy. I I understand what you're saying there, and I can't, yeah. I, I can't really disagree as much as I want to. For me, I, in my mind, I'm not putting him on upset alert just because it's Berrettini, and I love yeah. the guy, and I want him to win. Um, I, I understand. The thing about Ivashka is – he just played like, I mean, I feel like is fatigue going to become a factor with him? He's going from Winston-Salem now directly to New York. Like, I don't think he's going to play tomorrow on Monday. He'll probably play. Tuesday starts, yeah. Tuesday starts. So that may help him a little bit. But, you know, Ivashka wouldn't match up with Berrettini until the third round anyway. Mm -hmm. So at that point, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I still think I I, kind of like Berrettini's draw. I, Mm -hmm. I really do. Yeah. No, my counter would be, you know, it was only 25 minutes that match yesterday. So I don't know how tired Ivashka really is. All he had to do is That's show fair. up. Yeah, but That's fair. no, um, again, I would agree with you to the extent that I think Berrettini does advance to the quarterfinals in this section. But at the same time, it's not smooth sailing. Like there are going to be some lumps for him along the way. Yeah. That's fair, and he could go four or five sets, but again, he he seems, if you look at his results at the majors over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, he's been pretty pretty consistent, Gruskin. He really has. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think in three out of five sets, he's going to find a way with his power, with his serve on the hard courts. He's very comfortable in New York. I mean, he's made the semifinals, um, you know, a couple of years ago. I just, I think he's going to find a way through, like you said. Four guys have made the quarterfinals at all. Uh, excuse me, fourth round at all three Grand Slams this year. Can you name them? Well, obviously Novak. That's one. Um, uh, it's easier than you think. Sitsipas is the one you leave out. No, he's the one. He's the one. No, Medvedev. Medvedev two. Zverev. Zverev three. And Berrettini. And Berrettini 4, which is why you right. can't call it a, a small 4 and not include Berrettini. But you can not You can also not not include Rublev if you're going to include Berrettini. Like, again, I, I will harp Agreed. on this point. And so, yes, you, to your point, I'm trying to make Berrettini's consistency at the slams is yes. why he is now amongst that top tier of players right now on the ATP Tour. Uh, but again, that's the small upset case for him. Everything I just said about Avashka is why Fonini is on serious upset alert. You agree with that? As in oh, not yeah. No, seat. I do. Yeah. I, even first round, I, again, yeah. obviously you said the odd, or whoever, tennis abstract or whatever, yeah. has, has that the tightest first round match. Mm-hmm. You say second round upset. I do think Pospisil, if he serves in volleys, if Fabio isn't focused, you know, mentally, you never know what you're going to get with Fabio. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it could true. be a first or a second round upset for Fabio if he doesn't show up. I agree with you there. For Lorenzo Sanego, 20 seed. Kudla second round's tough. 
That's an interesting one. It is. I, I yeah. I like. I, I don't know. I feel like he's played pretty well this year. I mean, yeah, Kudla. You know, yeah. I. It, it's possible second round there. It's Kudla's possible. playing really good ball. That's why I bring it up. Is and Lorenzo yeah. Sinego has the biggest weapon on the court in his serve and his forehand, but Kudla's just a tough out three out of five. He is. And so that's my interesting, you know, and then the last one, because we already talked through Karatsev, Demonauer, and Gofen. Yeah. I love Hoobie. You love Hoobie. We love Hoobie. He's a yep. big match player. I actually think he's better in the second week of a slam than the first. But he's got the Fucevic section. And, like, how you could just write that in, Fucevic into the third round. It happens <laughs> every slam. Like, that's it's just like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and I was thinking before we started recording, I'm looking at this going, God, why did Hubie have to draw Fuksovics? Like, <laughs> come on, of all people. And and head to head, I think they've only played one or two times on tour, Gruskin, and 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 Hubie is not one. Like mm-hmm. that head to head is in favor of Martin Fuksovics. So I am slightly worried about it, but I think Hubie's play like just the way that Hubie is playing again, I think he find I think he finds a way through. You can call it upset alert. I'm picking Hubie though to get through that at least into the third round, if no, not further. I think that's a good call. One of my favorite Hubie stats. He is a primetime player. You look for him this season in 2021. He's 24 and 15 overall against players ranked. I believe it's uh, outside the top 50 or 51 and higher. He's 12 and seven against players ranked inside the top 20. He's six and five. Like, the better the opponent, the better the Hoobie. Four and three against the top ten. And so, I the the counter to the Fucevic point is, like, he'll actually play better because it is Fucevic. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. And so, it's, the point is, this is a very interesting section of the draw. I think we've hit on the dark horses as well in this section, so we don't have to reiterate. Again, there's a reason all of these seeds are on upset alert. It's an interesting section by the way, we haven't talked extensively about Brooksby, who's a top 35 player by the ELO ratings, by the advanced metrics. You look at him in the race to the year end finals, he's a top 60 guy as well. Obviously, he's another dangerous dark horse that looms. With all of that said, Maddie, give me your predictions. Quarterfinals, semifinals, who emerges out of this bracket? Yeah, no, at the end of the day, look, Ruskin, it's it's going to be Novak, and I'm going to go with Berrettini. I, it, it, for me, it really came down to either Hubie mm-hmm. or Berrettini and ah, mm-hmm. Berrettini we just talked about him man. he's been so consistent at the majors I know he's comfortable on this court surface and I, he's my guy he's my yeah. guy I do so, want to say you were on the Berrettini bandwagon first because there's a lot of tennis Twitter love and he's a handsome man so I get it but you were there first you were there for, uh, we're talking like January 2018 we're talking long ago, man, before this guy. I mean, when this guy was in qualies of the U.S. Open, let alone the main draw, mm-hmm. we're talking about Berrettini when he was barely cracking the top 200. That was one of your you know, first calls. I agree. One of my first calls. And, and you know, he's obviously done what I thought he could do. What I saw back then, he is now that's coming to fruition. And I saw it, but you never know if the players are going to reach that potential. He's done it. I'm happy for him. I think he gets through to a another quarterfinal Novak against Berrettini um but of course it, you know the run will stop there for for Matteo um and Novak will emerge out of this quarter into the semis yeah I, I think that's a good call 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Boy, do I want to see Djokovic play Brooksby. I want that in my bones. I would also like to see Djokovic play Mackie, by the way, because and a Mackie-Nishikori round two matchup or a nishikori Gofen, those are both really, really fun. That I mean, Djokovic happen. is going to get tested in round, you know, Rune round one, potentially Struve, Struve? round two. Yep. Yeah, a nishikori Mackie or Gofen round three. He's making it through, though. Yeah, I mean, but but that a Brooksby or a Karatsev or a Demonau or a Fritz round four. I'm just saying it's not a it's not an easy first week for Djokovic. It's not. It's yeah. not. But but I think that I, that may actually work in his favor. Yeah, you know what I'm, I mean? Just yeah. because he knows, like, hey, I'm gonna come out from round one and just I'm gonna be Novak and I'm gonna go rip through this draw. I mean, I, I to me, there's no way that he doesn't get through unless he he hits a lines person with the ball. Yeah, but there's no lines people. And so oh. it's like, yeah, exactly. They even take that away. And well, then so, there's, yeah, there's no chance. Exactly. I'm just saying of all of the draws he's faced, this is his toughest first week at a Grand Slam this year. This year. This year. And I'm okay. just, and so that okay. said, give me Djokovic to advance. But all of this is to say it's looming for a take perhaps later in the podcast. But it just, it's a tricky week one for Novak Djokovic. I'll take him. I'm going to give it to Hubi over Berrettini simply because I just love that matchup for Hubi. Just keep things simple, big shots, focus on the return, got to lock in on your passing shots. When Hubi doesn't have to rally, when he can keep things creative but simple, that's the most dangerous Hubi, plus health concerns for Berrettini. I'll take Hubi to make the quarterfinals, but I agree with you. Djokovic to the semis. That's section number one. I promise we are not going to spend that long on every section because if we do, we'll be here forever. Although it's just good to have you back, Maddie. So maybe I will milk it. But of course, we move now to section number two of the draw, the Zverev section here. Alex Zverev, your number three seed. He's won, what is it, 11 straight matches? Something like that. He goes, rips through, wins the gold medal in singles. Perhaps more impressive than that, though, was the way he won the Western Southern Open title. And of course, Whenever you're talking Alex Virev, we say this on every podcast. If you didn't read part one of Ben Rothenberg's piece about his abuse of Alia Sharapova for Racket Magazine, if you didn't read part two of that story in Slate, go read it right now. If some of you want to skip through this part of the podcast because you have no tolerance, no patience for Alex Virev talk, I can't fault you for that. It's our job here at Crack Rackets to prepare everyone for what you're going to see at the 2021 U.S. Open. Until we hear otherwise, that means number four seed Alex Virov is competing. And it would be disingenuous win for us to say, oh, we'll just have him losing to Query because <laughs> Alex Virov. Like, that's just not good coverage. So, again, if we're being honest here, he's playing the best tennis of his career. If we're being honest here, all signs point for the first time that Alex Virov's best is now good enough to compete with Novak Djokovic and even beat him on a hard court. That's certainly part of the story here is that, you know, again, the ATP, they're going to have a mar- – they already have a marketing issue on their hands. They're going to continue to have one moving forward. But again, here at this U.S. Open, Alex Virev, your number four seed in this section. You look at the other seeds he's going to have to face along the way. 
probably was the biggest winner in the top eight seed draw. He got Denis Shapovalov, who has struggled severely of late here, as his number seven seed. Now, some other interesting seeds in this section, though. You've got Karen Hatchnov, who is you pencil him into the third round of each and every Grand Slam. You've got Riley Opelka, finalist in Canada. Pablo Carreno Busta, the best of the lost gen here in 2021. And by the way, that's a list that includes Dominic Team here in this 2021 season. You've also got the Sin Man. You've got Gael Monfils, the always dangerous Sasha Bublik. You've got guys like Jack Sock in this section. You've got uh, the always dangerous Sebastian Korda. Vili's won two titles this year. Lloyd Harris beating Nadal uh, over at the City Open. It's a fun section. And this is the first time in a while it feels like there's depth in these first-round matchups, Maddie. So up and down the board, even if you want to say former Australian Open junior boys singles final between Emilio Nava, Lorenzo Musetti, that's a crack racket special. What are the first-round matches you're watching most closely? Yeah, I, I have to admit, though, Gruskin, this section does maybe doesn't excite me quite as much as some of the other sections. I don't know why that is, but I did star a few of these first-round matches. I want to start with Jack Sock mm-hmm. and Yoshi Nishioka. These two actually played, I believe, in Washington uh, a few weeks ago, and, and you know, Nishioka won the first set, I think, in a tiebreaker, and then and then he retired um, in the second set. So Sock advanced um, and then actually played Rafa Nadal in the next round. But this is a rematch. It's good to see Sock back, right? I mean, he takes the wild card here. And again, that's just a match to me because Nishioka just makes you play so many balls. Jack Sock can lose a little bit of patience um, and he's going to be he's going to be tested. I mean, in a three out of five set match, if they're playing in the middle of the day in the dead heat, I mean, Nishioka can wear anybody down. So I think that could be a very fun, interesting rematch that we just saw a couple of weeks ago in Washington. Other than that, you know, I'm looking Seb Korda, Basilashvili in the first round as well. That's going to be some heavy hitting Gruskin. I mean, Basil, we know this guy's just going to rip the crap out of every ball that he hits. It's just how he plays. And again, Seb Korda, for me, is a major dark horse, an unseated player that can really make a run. I'm a big fan of Korda. So that's one that I starred for sure. And then you mentioned this last one that I really like. How about the young guys, Musetti and Nava? I mean, that to me is just super fun. I mean, Nava, again, the young 19-year-old takes the wild card. Um, Musetti, obviously, you know, more experienced, even though they're both super young. I mean, Musetti is really now, you know, kind of an ATP mainstay. I mean, Nava's, I, I don't even think, ranked in the top 300 in the world or 350. So um, quite a, a difference there. Um, I just think that's going to be a fun match that I want to keep an eye on because I want to see what Nava can do, you know, against one Mm -hmm. of his, you know, players that is of a similar age, um, you know, coming up together in the juniors and everything. So for me, those are going to be some of the the first round matchups that I'm watching. Yeah, no, again, where I guess it's because I'm nerding out on this one, but it's just there's a lot of things we Cracked Rackets fans, or I suppose I, as uh, we here at Cracked Rackets discuss all the time. So Hanifman versus Bublik. I love that matchup. Like, I know maybe not the most exciting on paper, but I always enjoy Yannick I, I can see game. why you like – I know why you like that. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. For me, if – I don't have to watch that one, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Like, if, if I have to miss that one to watch, like, Korda – Yeah. 
I'm gonna do it. I'm it's watching Korda Bazlashvili over Bublik and Hoffman. I, I just am. Oh, that's tough. See, here's the thing. I could watch just if you haven't watched Yannick Hoffman hit an ad side kick serve and serve and volley behind it. Clinic, clinic. That's all I have to say. And it's little things like I just want to see how that and Bublik match up because there's a lot of shot making talent on that court, and so that's one for me. The Spider Man is inherently interesting, and I you knew I, knew I was going to go there. I know, that. but like he can beat Chechenato. Like he can win that match. That's why it's interesting. Chechenato just doesn't excite me, though, man. Like yeah. if we're talking about first round matchups yeah. that I like get excited about, I don't really get super excited for Chechenato. Okay, can I throw two more at you though that I think will get you excited? Okay, Opelka Kwan. The contrast. It's like 10 minutes only, but you will spend 10 minutes watching. That's fair. More so for Opelka, but but yeah, I mean, okay. I'm just saying, if you're going to have a picture of Karlovich versus Duty at the Tennis Hall of Fame and their <laughs> hug, this is like a close second. This photo should probably be a little bit under it, because Quan's like 5'10", 5'11", and he's, by the way, been sneaky good this year. Quarterfinals on hard courts, clay courts, and grass courts at the ATP level. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to your point, I want to see Riley win this match comfortably. And yeah. that is why I, that's why it's one of my most intriguing first-round matches. Because if he's going to make a run here, this is one he's got to win. All right, what's your other one? Hatchinov Harris, just because you know I love me some 6-6 ATP tennis. And this, is the, this match is the future. It's like if you don't like Hatchinov Harris, you're not going to like the 2020s. I don't know about that, man. I mean— yeah, that's a bit it, of a generalization. It's a bit of a generalization. I don't I don't But Lloyd's I'm good. Just, like Lloyd's the sort of guy who can be a disruptor in the draw. I mean, look at this section. If he beats Hatchinoff first round, he's yeah, the he favorite. Yeah, he can make a serious run. Yeah, because Karen's the favorite in this little yes. you know, to make the fourth round here. I agree. I think Karen's going to make it through, which is you know, that's fair. I yeah. I I like this is why I like doing these pods with you because I know that you're going to bring up some of these matchups that I'm not, and I know you're going to bring them up, and I can't really disagree. I mean— Good. No, you could disagree. You could disagree. On this one, no, like, okay, you're There's right There's like to a say. small part of me, though, that agrees with everything you're saying. There's like a very small part yeah, where you. I want to watch—I really do want to watch these matchups as well— but again, I'm trying to just pick a few rather than yeah, us that, talking that about everyone. No, 100%. 100%. And that's why we streamline it to four questions. But right. all I'm like, all right, I'm not going to watch one second of Purcell versus Sinner. Like, I can tell you that <laughs> right. right now. We'll, that's going to be the match when we go through other results on day one of the mini break. It'll be like Sinner, 7-6, 6-2, 6-3 over what about What about Cuevas Escobedo? To me, I mean, that yes, guy. I'll watch 10 minutes of it. Like, the, you know Ernesto is one of our guys. And so I'll get 10. But what about, like, Cressy Carreno Busta? Like, a Cressy match has a 10-minute expiration date where it's like, all right, start the clock. No, that one I actually do. I actually but that's what I'm saying. It's kind of interesting. Like, I'm in on that match. <laughs> and so it's tough. Like, again, Hanifman, Bublik, you're right. That's a 10-minute max. Nishioka Sak. That's a 25-minuter. Like, it's that's, longer. That's for sure a little bit longer. I agree with you. I will watch three minutes of Zverev query just to see if it's a good day for Sam. If it's not a good day, it's off. If it's not. But, like, you're right. In terms of the 25-minuters. Yes. Korda Basilashvili. Yes. Musetti Nava. 
Saki Nishioka. And I am going to watch Hatchinov-Harris, just because I think that one's interesting. I just, I enjoy watching Karen Hatchinov matches. I really do. He's such a conundrum to me. But so, with all of that said, Seed's on upset alert here. Uh, Obviously, Hatchinov is a guy I have circled more so because I think Lloyd Harris, when he serves well, it's just going to be a 7-6 set. Like, that's the sort of difficulties. A top 20 guy, tennis abstract, again, 6-6, easy power, big first forehand, makes sense. Other seeds on upset alert, I think Carreno Busta, because Corda can absolutely beat him. I honestly think Gael Monfils, just because he hasn't been that good recently, you probably throw him on upset alert as well. Those are the two names that jump out to me. And then Shapovalov. I will be surprised if Shapovalov makes week two. Yeah. Now, our, I mean, by week two, I mean, we're talking three rounds. I mean, do you think he can win two matches and get to the third round? I think Tommy beats him. I think that's the prediction I'm going to make wow. here. That's one okay. of my well, dangerous then you, dark horses. Then you definitely put Shap on upset alert. I'm not yeah. going to go that far. I do think he can make the th- – I don't think he's going to lose in the first two rounds. I think he's going to lose to Karen. Sure. So that's what I'm going to say. I don't know if I consider that upset alert. I think Carreno Boost is the one that I really – as a top 10 seed that mm. could lose lose in the first or second round. I mean, who knows with Max Cressy, the guy can serve absolute bombs – what if Cressy wins six six and six? Mm-hmm. No, that's a or six 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 seven seven six. Like, that's yeah, what I'm agreed. saying. So when you for me the the top seed in this section that I have on major upset alert is Pablo Carreno Busta, and I know he's had a lot of success at the U.S. Open. He really has. But this is a tough draw where he could play Cressy and Corda back to back. That's the one guy that I'm saying is on major upset alert. I don't. I don't put Karen in the same like realm. I know Lloyd Harris, like I just think Hatchinoff is going to make the second week. So for me, I'm not putting him on upset alert. Shap, again, I think he wins his first two rounds. So that's not like early upset alert. Mm-hmm. I think Hatchinoff's made the third round or further at like 14 of the last 18 slams, something crazy like that. Because And I like his draw here. As much yeah. as you think Lloyd Harris can pose problems, I think he finds a way through that match and then plays Cuevas or Escobedo in the second round. I mean, again, I, I do see Karen in the fourth round. I see him further than that. I think he makes the quarterfinals of this event. I would agree with you. Now, again, Riley's interesting. Because he's just as likely to make the fourth round as he is to lose first round. And so yep. you certainly keep your eye on that. And in terms of the dangerous unseated players in this section of the draw, I mean right away Sebastian Corda, who by the advanced yes. metrics has been a top 20 player here. ELO ratings say you look for him in the race to the year-end finals. Sebastian Corda currently ranks 24th in that race now. Of course, his ATP ranking lags a little bit behind there as you look for Corda. He enters this event currently ranked number four. 45, which is a new career high for him, but certainly feels a little bit low. He's dangerous as an unseated player. You already brought up Jack Sock. There's no doubt about that. Sock versus Bublik or Sock versus Hanifman. I mean, Sock into the third round, we'll always say it, but it's always possible. Um, And then the last one is TP. Like, do you see a world? Because I do think TP, he was on my first team, all tennis chameleon. The better the opponent, the better the Tommy. If he can get through Carbeas Bania, which will be a physical first round match, I like the Shapovalov matchup for him. Mm. Yeah. Because he's got I the mean, backhand. It's like to play the lefty Shapovalov, he's got the backhand and he's got the athleticism to track down that first strike. 
for me, what it's going to come down to is how well does Dennis serve? Yeah. Yep. If Dennis is serving at a high level, I mean, his serve is so wicked mm-hmm. where I think he would be able to find his way through that match based on his serve alone. Now, if he is not serving well, if his serve is off, then TP, I agree. I think then he would be able to make some noise and potentially win that match. A lot of this hinges on Shap's serve for me. Yeah. I think if he serves well, he's going to beat Tommy. Yeah, that, that, that's a good call uh, for sure. But the thing is, you look for Denis Shapovalov of late. He has not served well. He just hasn't played well, period. And you look for he Dennis here uh, over, I believe, now these last couple of weeks, his results. Uh, he goes to—he's lost four in a row. Well, semifinals, of Djok- he loses to Djokovic at Wimbledon. Obviously, that was the breakthrough. But three-set loss in Gestad to Capriva. Straight-set loss to Tiafo in Canada. Three-set loss to Pear at Cincinnati. It's just he hasn't been playing his best tennis. And you look at the first serve percentage against Tiafo, he made less than 50% of his serves. Like, that's just – that's not going to cut it in this match. And you look, again, just quickly via our friends at Tennis Abstract, the closest match in this section by projection, of course, is one we have yet to talk about. They have Luca Pui, 52.3% over Albert ramos Vinolas. If this was 2015, we'd have picked that match. But right. Yeah, exactly. But in 2021, we'll leave that one behind. Um, no, it, for Shapovalov, they give him a 53.3% chance to advance to the round of 32. They give Tommy Paul a 33.7. That's to say they would view Dennis as the slight favorite, but still a favorite. Yeah, that's probably the, that's probably the right place to put it, right? Slight favorite, but it's a winnable match for Tommy. It is if things break the right way. Mm-hmm. It is. They give Cressy a 3% chance. That's too low. That's too low. When you can serve that well and get into tiebreakers, yeah. I mean, you win a couple of points and get a couple mini breaks in a in a tiebreaker, and you you know you can you can do it. I, I mean, I think Cressy's dangerous. Yeah, Max Cressy on a hard court inherently has more than a three percent chance to win any match he plays. Totally agree with you there. And so again, that's this section of the draw. Super super interesting. With that in mind, Maddie, give me your prediction. Who's advancing? Yeah, so my prediction here, I'm going to take Zverev to advance out of the section, but guess who I have him facing in the quarterfinals? I'm going to say Kachanov. Nope, I do not. Riley? It it is. Oh! I I have Riley Opelka penciled into the quarterfinals. I really want to see him make a run here. And, And the way that he's been playing of late, I think his confidence is sky high. I think he knows that he can play big time matches on big time courts and i just feel like this this could be the time for him to make a serious run i think he can do it i like the way that his draw has kind of played out here as long as he stays focused i i think he can go all the way to the quarters now i i don't have him advancing i'm going to take zverev obviously just off of the way that he's playing right now that's my matchup, though. Zverev, Vopelka in the quarters, and I'll oh, take Zverev. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to take Hatchinov. I just think in this sort of format, three out of five, he checks every mark. He's got the serve. He's got the forehand. He's got the physicality. The backhand is not a net negative. Like, his backhand is fine on its best days. It's good. I just—he's uh, such a tough out, and I do think, again, for Riley, fourth round there against Hatchinov would be the matchup. If, he, if Riley makes the fourth round of this U.S. Open, that's a success. And I just think at that point, 
Karen's a tough matchup just physically for him that stage first time for him at that stage so I would take Hatchin out there but to your point and I talked about it extensively so I don't have to say it again here I think Zero's best is the best right now on a hard court on the ATP tour I don't know like again you would think that if if these if the accusations against him were going to phase him they would have already and they haven't yeah I can't speak to that. I mean, because I don't know. All I can go off of here is what I've seen of him on the court recently, the way that he's playing. He's playing as well as he's ever had. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just – I can't pick against him. I mean, he won a gold medal. You know, he's he's hot. He is hot right now. And, you know, off the court stuff, I can't – I'm not in tune with – I don't talk to Zverev. We're not friends. I don't know the guy. So I can't tell you how he's feeling, but all I can do is, is go off of what I've seen. And I really like what I've seen. I think he gets to the semis. That's breaking news here. A lot of people say they thought you and him were friends, that you're part of the Zverev camp. I know they, they confuse you for mellow all the time. They're like, is that Matt Stokowiak in the box? It's like, no, that come on. You you guys know that's not him. Um, So I appreciate you clearing that up here. But again, with that in mind, we both have Zverev advanced. Let's move on now to the Tsitsipas section. And I don't know whether it's by proxy, osmosis, whatever term to use here, but for some reason of all of the sections, this one just feels the most open. And we've talked about it before. You know, again, coming into this event, odds makers reflected Medvedev, who wins in Canada, Zverev, who's won two straight hardcore events, and Djokovic's Djokovic. Those guys just, they feel like locks right now. Tsitsipas, though we had the French Open final, Though semifinals of Cincinnati is not bad by any stretch of the imagination, it just feels like this is the vulnerable section. And to be honest, this is a loaded section of the draw. You look for Stefano Tsitsipas first round. He's got Sir Andy, obviously Andy Murray. And let's be clear, no upset alert in sight. I love it. No, you're not going to find a bigger Andy Murray fan than I am. You're also not going to find a bigger Andy Murray truther than I am. And if I have to watch him hit more slices, I will continue to cry during his matches. But, I mean, everyone else in this section. You've got number 26 seed Cam Norrie, who by advanced metrics has been a top 15 player this season. You've got the always dangerous big hitting Ugo Umber, Felix Oshir Aliassim coming off of his first Grand Slam quarterfinals, your 12 seed. You've got Christian Green in this section, Roberto Bautista Agut, Philip Krajinovic, as well as number five seed Andre Rublev. But perhaps even beyond that, Maddie, some of the first round matches in this section, absolute fireworks. Yeah, this is a good one. This really is a good one. And it starts with Sitsipas and Murray. And again, like you said, no upset alert here whatsoever. But I still want to watch it of because course. it's Murray and it's Stefanos. And I want to watch it regardless, even if it's straight sets, 6-3, 6-2, 6-3. You know, I still have to watch this just, I'm gonna just because. Cr- I'm going to cry. It's going to be so tough to watch because I just – it's the fitness. He's slow yeah. in his outer thirds now. And it's just I like Tsitsipas has the weapons. I appreciate you consoling me here. It's just like Tsitsipas hits his forehand big enough that that's exactly what you need to just crush this version of Andy Murray. Yeah, it is. And and I think it could be kind of ugly. Bad. Yeah. But, but I still want to at least view it with my yeah. own eyes. It's so a 25-minuter at a minimum. At a minimum, for sure it is. But on top of that, you mentioned Cam Norrie, who's been outstanding this year. How about Carlos Alcaraz? Oh, I mean, that that's is a, a popcorn. 
That's a two-hour. I will watch. That match will have a tab open from start to finish. That is an absolute popcorn matchup that you have to tune into. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question about it. How about Nick Kyrgios in RBA first round? It's another one. It'll be I open. Mean, that is another one that you have to watch. And now I know Nick Kyrgios pulled out of Winston-Salem. He had a left knee injury. I don't know the extent of it. Was he really just trying to head up to New York and prepare for the – like? We don't know exactly what's going on with Kyrgios, and we never do. My thing is, if they put this match at a night session mm-hmm. with the crowd there, mm-hmm. he's going to want to show up and win. And and for RBA, unfortunately, it's like, damn, man. Like, why did I have <laughs> to draw Kyrgios? Why did you have to put him on, you know, Ash Stadium at, you know, night session with mm-hmm. the crowd engaged and everything? Because that's when Nick Kyrgios wants to play. If I was RBA, I would go to the tournament director and say, hey, can you please put us on court 14 at 1 p.m. in the (laughs) middle of the day? (laughs) Because then RBA will win. Nick Kyrgios will go right home because Mm -hmm. he's going to have no reason to play. So for me, I I just obviously that's such a fun first round match that, you know, Kyrgios, if he decides that he wants to win it, he can win it because just by brute power, you know, he'll be able to serve and and hit RBA off the court, which is difficult to do, but Kyrgios can do it if he wants to. How about Tiafo and Eubanks? Mm -hmm. How about that? I mean, that is a fun first round matchup. Francis, obviously, you know, playing better of late. I like you know, a lot of what I saw, you know, in Winston-Salem prior to the Emer match that I, I don't know what happened there in the third set. He went away a little bit, but I still like what Francis is doing. Eubanks again. There's a ton of first round matchups in this one. This is a fun section. Yeah, sure. no doubt about that. And this gets back to something I brought up a little bit earlier from a scheduling perspective. Curios RBA is a top five matchup in the first round in the men's single side, maybe even top three. That has to go on Ash. Like, it has to. You don't have that many choices. If you're RBA, I would be begging. I'd say, please, court 14 or court 15, please. Yeah, but to them, I say too bad. I'm like, you know what? Do you want to pay? Like, would you like the increased first-round prize money? (laughs) Well, you know what? They put it on Ash at 7 p.m. or 9 p.m. Guess who wins? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's upset alert 100%. Even with a bum knee, give me Kyrgios at 9 p.m. on Ash over just about 90% of this draw. Like packed, packed stadium. I mean, the crowd's going to be into it there. God, man, it just, it's a shame for RBA because mm -hmm. Robbie bats. This is a guy that could go deep. I mean, this is the window. This is his one, like this season, next season, last season. He's got the ability, but man, when you draw Nick Kyrgios and then on top of that, it goes on Ash stadium on a night session. It's like, well, you lose. Yeah, a hundred percent. But no, those are interesting ones. The only one you left out that I would add to the mix. Um, and oh, by the way, yeah, do you know where I'm going here? I n- absolutely know where you're going, and it was an honorable mention for me. Rinder Nash Kasmanovich. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> of course. You know, you know, Mubir is just like my. I can't help it. I can't help it. There's just something about his game. I'm just fascinated by it. Like, I just don't understand why a guy who's that consistent, Brooksby-esque, hasn't had a Brooksby-type run. Like, I think it's very similar what they're both able to do. Brooksby, a little bit higher percentage. Kasmenovich, probably a little bit more explosive. Yeah. But he's got a battle on his hands because Rinderdesh has been one of the five most improved players on the ATP Tour this season. And he's made multiple ATP quarterfinals. And he's inside the top 80. And it's just... 
That's And he's got the bigger weapon, probably. Biggest weapon on the court in his serve. That's a super, super fun one. Now, the closest first-round match, according to Tennis Abstract's projections, is in this section of the draw. Can you name the matchup? We've yet to discuss it. When you hear the name, you're going to be like, of course that's who it is. <laughs> is it... Uh, I know. Is it... Is it Benoit Pair against Dusan Lojevic? Dusan so, the Deuce? That's a great guess. That's number two. The Deuce versus Benoit is a 52-48 split. Number okay. one, 51-49, Duckworth, Pedro and Martinez. Pedro. For, you knew it. You knew it. You knew it. Oh, um, God. Yeah, that's – again, and that's like a – I would say a thirty-second click over. That's uh, that's not gonna. Uh, I not was gonna, gonna say not even thirty. You know what? I'm just gonna be honest, uh, Ruskin. <laughs> that's zero seconds for me. It's, it's zero just, seconds. Yeah, I'm not turning it on. No, you gotta manage everything. I think Camille uh, Metrizak versus Emil Rusevori is a really fun one, and this kind of gets us to the seeds uh, or the dangerous dark horses here because oh. we sort of discussed and the seeds on upset alert as well. I think uh, in a hard court match, Christine Green is just inherently on upset alert, and even if it's it's not round one against Gombos. A lot of people will have Millman over Green in round number two. Yeah, I mean, Nori's on upset alert just by virtue of playing Carlos Alcaraz. But, of course, yeah. that could be a schedule loss for Alcaraz. He looked gassed by the end of that Emer match. Yeah. The other one I'd circle has to be Robbie Batts, obviously. For sure. Because Kyrgios, and then you've got potentially Rusevori the round after that. I think both of those guys can just hit through RBA off the court. Add any seeds you'd like on upset alert there, but I think that kind of mixes in if it's not those seeds who are the dangerous. You know, I think Tiafo over Krajinovic, round two, that's yep. a dangerous dark horse, right? Those sorts of matches. What do you see, Matty? Oh, yeah. No, Tiafo is absolutely an unseeded dark horse. I think Emil Rusevori is an unseeded dark horse mm-hmm. who could make a run here. I really think he could because, again— even if Nick Kyrgios beats RBA, mm-hmm. what is he going to do in the next match? Is he on an outside court? You know, all of those things factor in. So I think Rusevori could make a run. Obviously, Alcaraz, that little section of unseeded players, Alcaraz, Kechmanovic, and Rinderknecht, I mean, those guys, mm-hmm. I, that's such a, such a tough section for yeah. Nori. I feel like Nori's played so well this year, but he got stuck with kind of a brutal draw here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really did because he is going to have to play well um, from the jump. Alcaraz and then and then Kechmanovic or Rinderknecht or whoever it is. I think Cam Norrie's first two rounds are going to be extremely difficult. Oh, and by the way, let's just say he gets through those. Then he's got Stefano Tsitsipas in the third <laughs> round, which, I mean, congratulations. Nice U.S. Open draw. So, yeah, no, as far as those unseated guys, man, I mean, I look at Alcaraz, Kechmanovic. I look at Tiafo, Rusevori. I mean, Nick Kyrgios, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he could be in there as well. There are a bunch of them in this section. My most dangerous sections of the draw were the Brooksby, Emer, Fritz, Demonauer foursome, and the Nori, yep. Alcaraz, Kasmanovic, Rindernesh foursome. Like, those like are it. just, those are absolutely brutal. Also going to be absolutely exceptional tennis. Here's what I would throw at you. I want to posit a theory. You tell me, yes or no. Air Bear versus Tsitsipas. I'm not saying Air Bear wins it. But that game style, forcing Stefanos on his back foot, if I tell you that's a four-set win for Tsitsipas, does that surprise you? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say st- I, I'll go straight sets. Okay, that's fair. No, I, I'm curious because 
traditionally in the past, although CeCe Powell is now a top 25 in break percentage sort of player. Yeah. But the, into the backhand returns, the serve and volleys, that would have given him trouble two, three years ago. Yeah. And and look, this is going to lead us into our predictions yes, for this, this quarter it. here. I know the recency, like that last match where we saw Stefano Tsitsipas up double break in the third set on Zverev in the semis of Cincinnati. Like, I know that that is leaving a sour taste in some people's mouths, and that was brutal. It for for Tsitsipas, that was bad. Mm-hmm. That was bad. You cannot lose that match in that type of a situation. But let's pump the brakes here. Like, look. <laughs> I'm picking Stefano Sitsipas to make it through this section. I absolutely am. My quarterfinal matchup is Sitsipas and Rublev. And I know we've talked about all these dark horses, all the unseated players, but when I look at this, I'm not going to pick against Sitsipas or Rublev. I know that's chalk. I know that's the number three and the number five seeds. But again, these two, when we talked about at the beginning, they're in a different category now. Rublev is right up there. With Sitsipas and Medvedev and, and Zverev and those guys, I just think at the end of the day, three out of five sets in a Grand Slam, my picks to make it out of this section, it's Sitsipas versus Rublev. And I'm going to take Stefano Sitsipas over Andre Rublev to make the semifinals. I am. I know that last match was brutal. I don't care. Overall, I, I like what I've seen out of Stefano Tsitsipas. He's breaking at a higher percentage, like you said. He takes care of his serve for the most part. His all-court game, I just – I think he – I don't think that loss is really going to affect him too much mentally. I think he's going to reset, and I think he's going to make a deep run here. Mm-hmm. Where are you on the Felix train right now? I like Felix. I do, and I think Felix, again, he's in a weird section where he may have to play Robbie Batts, he may have to play Kyrgios, Rusevori, you know, all within the first, what, in the third round, probably, he's gonna, he he would face them. Then you get to the fourth round, and you've probably got Andre Rublev there. I just, I think... I think it's going to be tough because that third round matchup is going to be difficult no matter who it is. Bautista Gutierrez, Rusevori. His fourth round match, probably Rublev is tough. I think he would really have to put something kind of extraordinary together to go all the way through this section. I like FAA. You know I do. Mm -hmm. I've always been a big fan of him and I want to see him do well. I just don't see him breaking through to the quarterfinals in this tournament. I think maybe potentially fourth round where he would face Rublev. So the reason I ask is because there's going to be a section where things go funky, right? There is. This is the one to me. Zverev one has potential because there's a lot of talented seeds in that section of the draw. I'm picking Opelka in that section. Yeah, but 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 I'm saying beyond that, even to the semifinals. Like, do we really think? Oh. Do do we really think we're gonna get all four top four seeds chalk? Like right now, because I'm gonna pick Medvedev for sure. I have no oh, yeah. wavering in my Medvedev pick. But right now, you have Tsitsipas over Rublev. I do. Right now, so I have their career head to head. FAA versus Rublev. They played twice. Rublev's won both matches. Tight yep. three set matches. Very yep. very tight three set matches. I just think there is going to be – we're not going – I just don't think we're going to get all top four seeds. I don't think we're quite there yet. Now, maybe we are, and we started this conversation with a talk about the generational shift, the key three. 
Yep. Do I double down on that? Do you want me to take seat? All right, I'm with you. I'm doubling down on that. Look, I'm doubling down on it. I'm just telling you right now, I am, because what you brought up the very first part of this podcast, we were talking about this Mm. shift. Yeah. It's it's here. This is it. It's here. I'm doubling down on it. I'm just telling you. All right, I'm with you then. I'll double down as well. I'm going to take Tsitsipas. I'm going to have him beat Felix. I just... I think something clicked for Felix this summer. I think he's playing really, really good ball. I know for him, you look, uh, I believe, for Felix uh, in – who did he lose to in Cincinnati? I believe it was quarterfinals. I want to say he lost Tsitsipas, three sets. That's what it was, as a matter yeah. of fact. But he beats Berrettini there, beats Hatchinov, beat Fucevic there. That was a really good tournament for him. Yeah. I think he, I think he knocks gets a couple of good wins in this event. I think he gets to the quarterfinals, knocked out by Tsitsipas. But – Again, you look at this section of the draw on Tennis Abstract. The closest matchup in this one is the closest matchup in the uh, tournament first round-wise. Duckworth versus Pedro Martinez-Portero, the other fun one. Pair versus the Deuce. Uh, you've also got Manorino. Oh, excuse me, Manorino. 50.5% to Air Bears, 495 That is go. actually the closest of the tournament. So it should be a super, super interesting section. But last but certainly not least, your number two seed number two player in the world, Daniil Medvedev uh, section of the draw. You look for Medvedev. He's going to kick off his campaign against the veteran Richard Gasquet. We imagine he gets through that pretty comfortably. You look at the other sections of the draw. Is it good or bad that he got number eight seed Casper Ruud? On the one side, Casper Ruud, few deep runs at the Grand Slams. In fact, I don't think he's got a second week yet to his name. On the flip side, he has been one of the eight best players on the ATP Tour this season. Now, a lot of his success has come on clay, but quarterfinals of both Canada and Cincinnati is good. Like, I, it's not take home to the bank, this guy's number one in the world, but that is what you do when you're a top 10 player, is you hold seed, you make the quarterfinals. He did that there. Now, you look at the other seeds in this section, probably the softest, from a seed standpoint, Davidovich, Fokina, Isner, Schwartzman, Dimitrov, Evans, Chilich. Again, for me, it's collision course, Daniil Medvedev, semifinal round. I think he won the lottery pool of best sections. He also got Djokovic and Zverev on the other half of his draw. All of that said, we're not going to be writing this one off, right? There's some fun first round matchups in this section, Maddie. There are. I mean, again, we rematch Isner and Nakashima, two yep. Americans, unfortunately, that have to play in the first round. But it's a crack racket special. Cracked racket special, and they played in Los Cabos. Nakashima got Isner. They played the next week in Atlanta, and Isner got Brandon. So this is kind of the dead or the final rubber, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, well, 1-1. Let's settle this thing at the U.S. Open. So Three me, out of five, obviously... exactly. I love that fact, too. It's like, let's settle this, but three out of five. Correct, exactly. So it per- it actually set up perfectly, and then, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a fun match. Obviously, you know, and you, you, I'm sure, you know, you would have mentioned this if I didn't, but I'm going to beat you to it. Sam Riffis against Grigor Dimitrov. I mean, that obviously, I have to see how, how Riffis looks in, mm-hmm. I mean, say such it. a big stage. Say against, it. Do it. I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> Grigor is such a wild card, right? Every yeah. tournament, you never know. It was only a couple of years ago, Gruskin. Remember, Grigor made the semifinals at the U.S. Open. 2019. Yeah. Uh, 2019. So this guy, again, he's so talented. He could put a run together where he makes it all the way or he loses in the first round to somebody yeah. like a Sam Riffis, right? I mean, I just don't know, which is why I have to watch it. It is an absolute popcorn match. 
I'm going to be tuning into that one to see what happens because I don't know. I hope Sam can do it. I really want to see the upset here. He's going to have the crowd support. Is it going to be on an outside court though? Or is it, is it going to be on a stadium court? I mean, these things, I don't know. I would put it on a stadium. Why wouldn't you? Again, when you're looking through the matchups, what is more enticing? You get a young American NCAA champion in Riffis versus one of the yep. five most marketable and recognizable faces in men's tennis in Grigor Dimitrov. Yeah. That says Armstrong all over it. I, if that match is on Armstrong, woohoo! I mean, that's <laughs> going to be fun, man. That is going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, this section, I, I will admit, there are some kind of, there are some matches in the first round that I'm not that interested it's a in. It's poo-poo platter. It's not the best. It's really not the best, but those couple matches, and and I'll give you one more, Gruskin. I'm going to throw this back. You mentioned before, if it was 2015 for Pui and, uh, Pui and Ramos, and, and, and Ramos, you know, maybe we would have circled that. Let's go back even a little bit further. How about like a 2012, 2013? How about Marin Chilich and Philip Kohlschreiber? <laughs> that would have been such a good match, right? Like eight years ago. Like, oh my God. Well, you know what? We wouldn't have even gotten that match in the first round because Cole Schreiber was always the number 32 seed at every major. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So they wouldn't have actually played in the first round, but that one just kind of popped out like, oh, hey, Marin Cilic, Philip Kohlschreiber, that would have been great back in 2013 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but now I, I, I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to tune that much into it, but it's still kind of funny to look at that. You know, Gasquet, obviously a veteran. He's he's a name that we all know, but I don't think Medvedev is going to have any trouble with that match in the first round. So will I watch it? Yeah, I'm probably going to watch it just to see what Medvedev looks like. I'm not going to watch that because I think there's upset alert potential or I think it's going to be a super competitive match, you know. Mm -hmm. No, all fair. The closest via Tennis Abstracts projection is uh, Alexi Popperin, 56%, Redu Elbot, 44%. Now, a little bit higher than that, right above Chilich is at 56.4% versus Cole Schreiber, 43.6%. But yeah, this is... You know, they have Casper Ruud, Sanga 60-40. It's not a 60-40 match. That's obviously respect to Sanga's past performance. Yeah, like, I mean, what? You want me to make a case for Vesley Anderson? I'm not going to. This no, is not the best. Like, I think Garon Antoine Huang's pretty interesting because Garon's been playing very solid this season. Huang's a big, you know, big ball hitter. I think Garon's a favorite, though. I, I, I think- agree. I really – I don't think that that could be that tight of a match. Marcos Garon is going to win that. Yeah, but the one that you, – you're right, and I'll say it. It's my upset prediction of, day, of the first round. I think Sam beats Grigor. I really do. I think the better the opponent, the better the Sam. We both agree. He's a tennis chameleon, yes? Now, is he to this extent? No. But Grigor's not exactly playing his best tennis right now, and he's just physically a little bit all over the place. I know he got a good couple of wins under his belt in Cincinnati, but I'm feeling some spice, and I think that's where the spice comes. Can I see the storyline in my head? I can. If it's not Sam, I think it's going to be Popperin, but in terms of the seeds on upset alert, Grigor in this section is my number one seed on upset alert now. Isner. Isner, oh, versus Nakashima, duh. For sure. But outside of those two, like Schwartzman-Anderson, you don't love the matchup, but this Kevin Anderson, it's a little bit less daunting. 
Like, again, I guess when you're looking across the board here, Maddie, seeds on upset alert, dangerous dark horses. Like, Nakashima, we've already discussed. Yep. Honestly, Marcos Giron is, is – is pl- like, Dan Evans isn't playing his best right now, so I really do think Marcos could hang with him. That's and Dom Kofer, but he would have to beat Medvedev second round. That's the tough part. Is he if he was once if you switched him and Andahar, yep. he would be a dark horse. You didn't. So like I guess it's Garone, Nakashima, and Kofer. You notice I have a type college tennis players. Uh, like I guess Vanderson sculpt because he hits big, but not really. Like that's really it. Nope. I, this is this is uh this is my least favorite of the sections. If I'm being honest, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I agree. This one's going to be pretty straightforward for me. I just want to see whoever wins the Isner Nakashima match, you know, mm-hmm. and it'd be great to see Brandon win it. But if he doesn't, Isner needs to make a run. I would really like to see him, but I don't think he's going to do it. You're going to be surprised at my pick here. Give um, it to me. Give me the prediction. My quarterfinal prediction is obviously Medvedev, mm-hmm. but I'm actually going to have him facing Diego Schwartzman in the quarterfinals. Okay, I like. I don't hate that. I mean, I Isner and Anderson in the same section is tough. It's tough, but I'm not convinced that Isner even wins his first round match. Sure, very good. Point. So I'm not even convinced that Kevin Anderson wins his first round match. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm saying there are so many unknowns. I mm-hmm. think Schwartzman is just the model of consistency. He's going to be so tough to beat, and I don't want to pick. Look. I think we could get Casper Rude against Diego Schwartzman in the fourth round. That's where I'm picking the ups. That's where I'm going to take Schwartzman over Rude based off of experience. They're going to be playing on a hard court. As much as Rude, I like what he's done over the past couple of months and really this entire year, I don't think... I do not see him making the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam, especially not the U.S. Open. Maybe if it was a French Open at Roland Garros, that's one thing. I think Diego Schwartzman gets on a little bit of a run here. It's an open section, and I'm going to have him take uh, Medvedev on in the quarterfinals. But, of course, Daniil Medvedev advances through. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to take Medvedev. I'm going to have him play rude. I just think Casper's really good. I think that fourth round's going to happen eventually, that quarterfinal on a slam eventually. I think the draws open up really nicely for him to do that here. Again, I I know it's very chalk, but this gets us to the generational shift we've seen occurring. And I think we get now to our final predictions here as we wrap the show. Again, we look across the board for us. We have the same quarterfinals, uh, or excuse me, same semifinalists across the board. It's going to be Djokovic versus Virev, Medvedev taking on Tsitsipas, top four seeds all advancing. It's plain, but it makes sense as we've broken it all down. And so my final questions to you, Maddie: finalist, champion, who you got? Yeah, I mean, I've got Novak over Zverev in the semifinals. Uh, I just think he's on a mission. He's going for the calendar slam. I mean, this guy, 21, you know, majors. Just there's so many things here where I fully expect Novak Djokovic to show up and play his best tennis. I think maybe the losing at the Olympics and and kind of a poor performance there is going to work in his favor. He's going to be more motivated. He's going to be hungrier. And when that guy gets on a mission, like nobody can stop him. I mean, we've just seen this guy plays his best tennis, especially on a hard court. He's not going to lose. So I'm going to take Novak over Zverev. And on the bottom half, I'm going to go Medvedev over Sitsipas. I think this is Medvedev's time. I really do. Um, 
He's played so well. Sitsi Pass again. That's a, it's kind of a toss up. Mm-hmm. It could go either way. But remember, I mean, Medvedev. He made the finals at the Australian Open this past year. He's made the finals of the U.S. Open in that epic match with Rafa a couple years ago. Like, he's made it to that stage, and I think he's going to get there again. I'm picking Medvedev over Tsitsipas, which sets up a number one versus number two seed, Novak, against Medvedev in the final. And I have to pick Novak. I do. I just... I am not going to be the one to bet against this guy. With so much history at stake, I mean... There's too much on the line here. I think barring sup, barring an injury, barring him smacking a ball and hitting a fan in the stands and getting defaulted, or anything of that nature, if we're playing straight up tennis and there are no outside, you know, nothing happens. It's just normal, normal tennis. Novak's going to win this tournament. He he just is. I, I and I I have to pick it. I'm gonna pick Novak to win over Medvedev in the final. I think it could be an epic final, four or five sets, but I'm not gonna pick against Djokovic. Not here. I mean, no. this is this is for the calendar slam, man. He he's not and twenty one and, and twenty one. Look at that. There is no way this guy is gonna do absolutely anything it takes. He knows how big this is, and and I think he's gonna get it done. I do. Yeah. So this is the those moment are, I've been. Those are my picks. No, those, it's great picks. This is the moment I've been dreading all week long, because in my head, Alex Zverev is the best hardcore player in the world right now. I've seen it with my eyes. And Maddie, here's the case: he was better than Novak Djokovic. Yes, Djokovic's play level of play dipped off in the second and third sets of that Olympic semifinal, but it dipped off because Alex Zverev started taking it to him. And the aggression Zverev's playing with from the baseline and the way he is making first serves right now. The serve is an absolute cannon for Zverev over the past two weeks uh, or two events. His best right now, in my opinion, is the best I've seen on a hard court from anyone. And that includes a Novak Djokovic who beat a 24-match win streak or whatever it was, Daniil Medvedev, in the Australian Open final in straight sets, dusted it absolutely dusted him and that was a Daniil Medvedev who was holding serve at a rate of prime Isner and breaking serve at a rate above prime Djokovic at the time and Djokovic made it just look routine and that is what sticks in my head that is again heart uh, it's not really heart overhead it's head overhead I suppose in this instance is just after the doubt I had for Djokovic entering Australia he's had a freaking month off You know who's earned a month off after the past 15 years of tennis they've played? Novak freaking Djokovic. You know who I would want no part of after he's had a month off? Novak freaking Djokovic. You know who's going to have an entire first week of difficult opponents to regain his rhythm? Novak freaking Djokovic. And while those first week opponents are difficult, I don't know if any of them are good enough to knock him off. Now... That Zverev plays Djokovic in the semifinals and not a final, I think that's a win for Zverev. I think you get the pressures of the final, they start to mount for Zverev. Not only are you looking for your first title, not only are you looking to thwart Djokovic as he's trying to make history at all, crescendos together in that moment. In the semis, it's a little more carefree. You're playing with nothing to lose. Meanwhile, I will always say, and it's not comparable, but I think the toughest match for any player on the way to a title is the semifinal. Because once you're in the final, I've now made the final. Win, lose, whatever, I'm in the final. You put so much pressure on yourself once you get to the semifinals. You're like, well, we've made it all this way. You know, that's the match where you really want to peak. Um, I do think there's a, there's a world where Zverev peaks in that semifinal. 
But it just does – if there are tennis gods in the world, they're just not going to let Zverev beat Djokovic in this semifinal. For all of those reasons, I'm taking Djokovic over Zverev, taking Medvedev over Tsitsipas for all of the reasons you said. And then if he gets to the final, I just don't know how you pick against Novak. I just don't know how you do. Although I will say six brutally physical matches on the way there. You know who you don't want standing at the end of that pathway? Daniil freaking Medvedev in a three out of five set match. So I do want to pick I like I really do think for my head and the numbers and everything indicates if you want to pick against Djokovic, mathematically it makes sense. I totally get it. I just can't. I just I can't find it in me to pick against him. He's holding first, you know, he's above his career averages in hold percentage, break percentage, first serve points one. He's still close enough to his peak. Case in point, look what he did in Paris. That I just I can't pick against that Djokovic, or I can't pick any of these guys to beat him. So I'm gonna roll Novak. That's my that's my final rant, I suppose. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, let me ask you this, Gruskin. I mean, if let's assume Novak plays his absolute best tennis, mm-hmm. can Zvera beat him? If Zverev plays his absolute best, they both pl- they both play their best. So to that answer, and this is the first time in my career I would say this about in my career in his career I would say this about someone not named Rafa, Andy, or, or Roger. Yes, yes, I do think Alex Zverev's best now can beat anyone because he, what does he have that Novak doesn't have? The 135 mile per hour serve, Maddie. If he's landing that, it's just he can win. He was up breaks in three out of the four sets in their matchup in Australia this year like he just didn't get over the finish line if the serve is clicking I think he can I don't think he can I think if Novak is playing his absolute best if Novak's off you're right uh-huh. I think if Novak is playing his best he's not losing to Medvedev to Sitsipas, to Zverev if he's playing his best and I am assuming Novak will play his best tennis if he doesn't then okay. all bets are off. Yeah, so let me flip it on you. If Zverev's playing his best and Novak does not, yes. is Zverev's best now good enough to beat him? Yes. Okay. So that but is that's not. I that is not my prediction though. My okay, prediction is that sure, Novak fair, is playing fair. his best. Okay. I, and I have no qualms with that. Now let me ask you this: If Zverev's playing his best and Medvedev's playing his best, who wins that one? Ooh. <laughs> and this is this is where we can wrap. In the finals yeah. of the U.S. Open. I know. I think I would probably go Medvedev right now. The solidness, just again. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I, I, I don't do know. think Zverev's upside's better. I like. I just think it's more dynamic. I just think, It is. Yeah, there's a little it more is. oomph from the baseline. There's no doubt about that. I agree there. I just, Medvedev at his best. I mean, this guy. I know. It, I know. It's, it's hard. It's Djokovician. It's like, it what is. do you do to beat him? It's 6'6 six, six Djokovician, I, which is... With a 130-mile-per-hour serve. Yeah. I, amen. Amen. Right. And so, it's tricky, man. It, it is. is. And so, again, that's why this U.S. Open should be so fun, is the best players in the world right now are playing their best. And the guy who's not is Novak Djokovic. And that's what makes it so freaking fascinating. And he will be playing his best. I guarantee he's had some time off now to mm-hmm. kind of refresh and reset mentally, physically. To me, there's no excuse for him not to play his best. He's going to be well-rested. Uh, well rested. We know there's no injuries for Novak. Mentally, he should be going into this tournament as strong mentally as he's felt in a while. Um, just refreshed and ready to go. He knows what's at stake. And usually... When there's more at stake, 
this guy's risen above every single time. I mean, and he gets the job done. There's history to be made, and I don't think anybody can stop him. Yeah, no, again, well, with all of that said, that is your 2021 U.S. Open men's single straw preview. We're both taking Djokovic, but we're both projecting a really, really fun two weeks in New York. And, Maddie, I'm telling you this right now. You're coming back on the show during the mini break. We're getting you, or during this U.S. Open, we're getting you on to recap one of the days. It's one of our favorite podcasts to do. I would argue our daily coverage was at the 2018 Australian Open. I want to say was the first time we went daily. That's what inspired the mini break podcast to form day in, day out. And so we got to get you back on throughout that. But of course, again, always appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat some pro tennis with me before we sign off i do just want to remind everyone a i was wrong at the top it's a mini break not a great shot podcast realized that about 10 minutes in nevertheless a shout out as always to our friends at tennis point tennis point.com the promo code is cr15 if you missed any of our pre-tournament coverage we covered it from every angles contenders Dark Horses, State of American Tennis, Draw Previews, you name it, we've done it here at Cracked Rackets. You can find all of that content on the website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligger and Daniel Westa, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout-out, as well, to our friends, again, at Tennis Point, Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15 with all of that said for my wonder. Oh, I guess I got to offer you the final word, Maddie. Any final thoughts? Anything left to say about this term? I think we hit it all. I think we hit everything, man. It was good to be back on with you. And uh, let's kick this off. I'm ready for the open, man. No, all of that is to say, uh, again, for <laughs> all of these, uh, again, we'll, we'll get you back on to talk college a little bit later as well. We'll get you on to do all of these different things. Get get back. Chris, should we just leave Chris off now? Is it time to ditch Chris on the highway? And just kinda... <laughs> I don't know if we could, though. The problem is there's some math stuff and some rule stuff where it's like, hey, do you mind just explaining this Chris <laughs> what if we brought him on for like one little segment like if we needed help or clarification on something we could bring him on otherwise we ditch him yeah it's just like you owe us you only come on for the ranking segment that's it like <laughs> that, that's all we watch you for it's just two seconds at the end um no or we bring him on to do one of these sections I want him to give me three minutes on Sasha Bublik I just like what does Chris Haliora see in professional tennis and so you know I just hear his thoughts as well but of course I Again, with all of that said, for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks to Koyak, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matty, what do we tell the listeners? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 